Welcome to With Sword and Spell, an actual play 5th edition D&D podcast. I'm your DM and host, Michael Hathers. This epic campaign is set in an original yet nameless world whose boundaries between the mortal realm and the Feywild are thin, allowing realities to blur and intermix, sometimes to dangerous effect. The Feywild is a place of terrible wonders and awesome creatures in every sense of the word. Usually the lands of the Fey and the lands of the mortals are separate and contained, but every once in a while, the Feywild bleeds over into our mortal realm, and Fey denizens, both benevolent and malevolent, emerge to interfere with mortal lives, and when they do, those lives are changed forever. Our party are some of the mortals lucky enough, or perhaps unlucky enough, to have stumbled across one of the intersections of the mortal and fey realms. The question is, will they survive? Our players are Kian, the human druid ranger who sought a different path from his warlord father, played by Neo. Adwin, the hobgoblin wizard steeped in the study of time and its manipulation, played by Che. Cosmo, the fairy cleric of trickery who stayed in the mortal realm on a whim, played by Patrick. Grim, the shifter ranger whose past he refuses to speak about, but occasionally speaks too, played by Corwin. Raz, the kobold fighter whose exploits are legendary, even if only in his own mind, played by Bradley. Lago Hopfoot, swashbuckling piratical heron god who would love nothing more than his own ship, played by Ryan. And Nassim, the triton paladin, whose experiences on the surface are not what she expected, and only getting stranger by the day, played by Melody. Having bonded over a shared strange encounter with the Dark Fade denizens of Mist Island, they find themselves caught up in strange occurrences and with few allies. Join us as the party seeks to untangle their fates from the machinations of an inscrutable dark power bent on disrupting the balance between the Fae and mortal realms forever. This is With Sword and Spell. Alright adventurers, you dream of a village in flames. There's frenzied barking and snarling which fills the air. Villagers are fleeing in panic as their homes burn. The scene fades and a stooped and aged half-orc stares blindly towards you. This will soon be the fate of Merwald, she wheezes in a tired voice. I'm trying to protect them, and I can do so for now, but my time grows short, she winces. Please, please answer my summons. The half-orc holds a trembling hand out to you, and as you accept her touch, the world spins around you, and your feet land hard on wooden floorboards. As you come back to reality and things become focused, you see slumped at the edge of a circle is an elderly half-orc female who is being tended by a half-elf female in the robes of a priest. You all recognize her as Rahimi, the person you had contacted before and had built a relationship over time. Further back on the edge of the room is a tall human male in his late 50s, dark skin, slim build, sporting a large mustache and a well-kept short beard. His right arm is heavily bandaged and in a sling. Next to him is a halfling female with blonde hair and two tight buns on the side of her head and a friendly face. She seems to be perhaps in her early to mid 30s. 
The man steps forward and says, Silvis, is Rahimi all right? Silvis nods and hefts the weight of the half-orc mage in her arms and says, she will be soon, perhaps, but she needs rest and leaves the room. The man turns to you and introduces himself as Raynor. He speaks anxiously, as if somebody who is barely keeping it together. Thank the gods you've come. I can barely believe it. Rahimi promised that there would be heroes who would be able to help, and I should not have doubted her. I'm sure you have questions. Please, ask me anything you need to know. Who's attacking here? What's going on? Oh, uh, about four nights ago, our village was surrounded by what we thought initially was wolves. We are in a remote part of the forest, and sometimes the winters can be very tough. But it's already spring, and the wolves normally leave our village alone. Little did we know they were not normal wolves. They started attacking boldly in the middle of the uh, of the day, uh, attacking villagers and attacking livestock. The livestock they killed, but the villagers that survived often are struck with a fever that we can't quite explain. We've all done our best to try to barricade the the village, but it seems like they know every single weak point in our barricades. And so Rahimi used most of her magic to erect a magic barrier, a, a dome around the village. We're hoping that perhaps you could find out why these wolves are attacking us. When you spoke of these wolves, you said that they were not normal. What reason did you have to believe that they were not normal other than this fever? Well, some of those who have been struck by the fever before they've passed into unconsciousness have spoken of the wolves speaking to them. Um, and the words that they used were, were very strange and disjointed. And a couple of people have said that these wolves sometimes stood on hind legs just before they attacked. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to question them anymore because invariably those villagers fall into a coma. Are those villagers being monitored? Yes, they're being taken care of. Uh, they're currently at the uh, they're at the temple and Sylveth has been tending to them as best she can, but her powers are overtaxed, especially for such a small village cleric. Understood. Maybe we should investigate. I turn a look at the group. Uh, what time of day is it? Is it like nighttime? From the light streaming in, you would say it is slightly past noon. Okay, Cosmo's getting to fly outside. You go through one of the open windows and you flitter outside and you see that there are armed villagers who have any weapon that they can bring to bear, whether it be pitchforks, rakes, hoes. There's some spears here. There's old armor being passed out. A few people actually do have shields, but those shields have obviously seen better days. They are manning the barricades and they are keeping up a patrol. And you can see a slight shimmer, like a distortion, like looking through a a shallow brook all around the village. That must be the magical barrier that Rahimi had erected. Raynor, have your people found any attacks or spells to be effective against these wolves? 
nothing that we seem to do. I mean, normally wolves are afraid of fire. Uh, we're able to chase them off with fire if they're particularly hungry during the winter. And just like any other animal, most most wolves die when you put enough arrows into them. These wolves, no matter how many arrows we put in them, they just keep coming. And they only seem to back off when they hear a howl coming from deeper in the forest. This shield did you speak of, would it stop everyone from coming in and out of this village or just the creatures? Well, I think Rahimi said that she set it to only allow people to leave, it, you know, so we could shoot out. So it would stop arrow, it wouldn't stop arrows from flying out into the woods. But coming back in, I don't know. None of the villagers have been brave enough to step outside the boundaries of the village. Have these attacks from the wolves coincided with anything natural, like a full moon? Hmm. I don't know. He seems genuinely puzzled. He's not 100% sure if they absolutely coincide with anything. You can tell that he is obviously distressed, so maybe he's not thinking as clearly. Would Grimm know anything about those natural occurrences or timelines? Yeah, go ahead and roll a nature check. Cosmo, you're out looking about the village, and you see that some of the villagers, there's a few that are battered and bruised. Uh, You can see there's scratch marks on some of the shields, but none of the people patrolling have actual injuries themselves. I thought there was like a a tent or something with the really hurt ones that the cleric was taking care of. Can I go to that one? They're inside the village chapel, which is towards the north end of town. Uh, So they're all indoors. Okay. Can I... I I do want to go over there. Okay. You head towards the village chapel, and you see that Sylveth is tending at least seven possibly eight. Uh, You can't tell with how many people are in the beds because they're all separated by screens. So you you enter in and the long transept of the church is taken up by beds, leaving the center aisle that goes from north to south towards the altar mostly clear. You could see several beds are occupied right now and you assume that there's other people in some of the beds that you can't quite see all of. Right now, Sylveth is attending Rahimi in a bed near the altar itself. Can I uh, medicine check Rahimi or one of the other hurt people to see if I've seen this before? Sure. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and roll medicine check. 26. Nicely done. Okay, yeah, you've seen a similar affliction and they are burning up with fever. Their muscles are extremely tense. They seem, some of the worst case scenarios, they are strapped down to keep themselves from flailing unconsciously. Uh, You see them grinding their teeth and sometimes there's a little bit of foam at their mouths. So there's a number of infections that could be causing this. For example, there's mortal infections, things like rabies that could be causing this. But you suspect that it's probably something more magical in nature. Perhaps even something as dreaded as lycanthropy. Okay. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fly back out of the chapel. Alright, you make your way out of the chapel? Uh based on my companion's mention of the moon, 
a couple of moments ago. Um, do I know what cycle we're currently in right now? Let's see. Do you have the keen mind feet? I do not. Okay, then I'll have you roll an intelligence check, please. The DC is going to be relatively low. Nature or intelligence? Uh, let's do nature. Okay, let me see. Michael, I did roll a 7 for nature, so if that helps... It gives you an idea... Yeah, you're really... You're slightly... You're going to blame it slightly on the teleportation. You're feeling a little disoriented. Uh, you didn't quite remember what phase the moon's in just yet, Grim. Okay. Adwin, being the caster of the group, you are far more used to the teleportation disorientation, so it took you a little bit less time to recover. You could tell you are right now in the middle of a full moon season and about four nights ago it would have been a waxing moon as it starts in its arc so each night was getting more and more full and i absentmindedly mentioned that to the group oh we're, we're about midway through this cycle Lago wants to see if he knows what that implies would that be insight um yeah let's go ahead and do an insight 14 all right absent any other information you would infer that there are certain activities certain spells certain ceremonies certain cults that are very much devoted to the moon so that might explain why this is happening i guess my question is does he know it's werewolves <laughs> <laughs> not until he gets some information from cosmo <laughs> can i fly into the into the group now at some point yeah absolutely let's give it let's give uh one more thing here does anybody else want to do anything before cosmo rejoins us raynor he did mention that there was a howl in the woods when the creatures back mm -hmm. off or they were disengaged right yes okay all right all right, Cosmo, just then, as Adwin is mentioning that we're coming up on the middle of a phase of the full moon, and as Lago is saying, um, hmm, I wonder what that implies, you come in the window. Uh, I just took a look at the, at the villagers that got bit and stuff by the wolves. Great news, great news. Uh, I think they just have rabies. It's just rabies. Uh, what'd you guys find out? Quite a few things. We found out that uh, there's something calling them back during these uh, forages out into the woods where they're attacking or were attacking these villagers. We've uh, come to the conclusion we're about halfway through this moon cycle. And so we know that may, there may be some connection. And you have just come in here and told us that um, these um, villagers are suffering from rabies, uh, which tells us that we at least at the very least need to put a rabbit dog of some sort down a rabbit down nobody's putting a rabbit down rabid not rabbit rabbit let's go outside for a minute because there's like other villager people in this main area right that we're in yes and no sooner do you say that than all of a sudden you hear what sounds like a lot of shouting and panic coming from the small town square at the center of the village Outside, a dozen or so villagers are gathering and wringing their hands, and several are shouting a name over and over again in different directions. At the center of the crowd stand a halfling couple. One is clutching a small stuffed toy bear. And as you approach, uh, the male halfling is wearing a leather apron that looks like it was appropriated from the smith, because it's far too large for him. And he holds out the teddy bear and he says, 
At first we thought maybe he'd he'd gone hiding because the the wolves scared him, but but I think it, he took off after Jasper, our old dog, our, our son, uh, Taimini. He took off after our dog. That the two love each other more than life itself. And if if Jasper ran into the woods, then Rahimi must have followed after him. Can you at least look for him, please? Which way? And he points off towards the west into the deeper part of the the forest. And you, at that point, you notice now that you're all outside and you're looking around at your surroundings, you see that shimmering dome or that shimmering barrier that's kind of causing this ripple effect. And beyond, the the forest is huge and ancient, and it slowly slopes up towards a mountain, a single mountain looming in the distance, not too far away. But that's the direction, roughly, that he's pointing. Kian runs in that direction. Kian! Kian! He's gone. Grim's going to ask the halfling male, may we borrow the bear so we can track your son? Oh, absolutely. Here, here. And he hands over the teddy bear. You can see by looking at it, it's it's a very well-loved teddy bear. It has a smell of childlike things on it. So partly a little bit of mud, partly a little bit of sticky fingers and the smell of sweets and a little bit of like that stale toddler sweat. Okay. I'm going to let him know that we will return the teddy bear and his son as soon as we can. What type of dog was it? Oh, he's uh he's just an old black mongrel dog. He's got the, you know, the the hunched uh, back. He couldn't have gotten too far, but understood. He he was very protective when the wolves started attacking. Well, companion. You know, he he normally sleeps by the fire most of the day. But when the wolves started attacking, he got up to the door and started growling and trying to basically protect us. I would think with a dog's uh, superior sense of smell that he'd go in the direction he thinks the threat lies. Raynor, is that the same direction the wolves come in from when they attack? Uh, Generally, yes. Kian is going to use an action, Wild Shape, to turn into a wolf as he dashes to the west looking for the uh, child and dog. Edwin follows. Lago sees him run off, he follows. Grim's following as well. I'll be following as well. Excellent. So the rest of the party follows up as Kian rushes headlong into the forest, shifting as he does into a wolf, causes some alarm amongst the villagers <laughs> who gasp and like make ready, essentially uh, having not seen Kian before. This stranger comes bolting past them, straight over the barrier, Boom, turns into a wolf, sniffs the ground, and takes off further into the west. And they're like, oh my god, they're in the wo- in the village. <laughs> Kian, you begin to pick up the scent. The way you sense smell is much the same way as when you're in the human form and you can see different colored ribbons. For this, the scent intermingles, particularly strong in the areas that are soft, like leaves and grass particularly a little bit muted when it comes across stone, but you get the distinctive smell in your nose that a small child has come through here as well as as a dog. There's a little bit of lag between the two as if the dog had come through first and the child had come through most recently. And as I pick up the scent and follow it, I go faster and faster through the woods. Okay. 
Is it a forest that I'm going through? Yes, it is a deep, thick forest. And then, Adwin, did you say you were going to do something? Yes, um, initially, our druid friend, he kind of abruptly took off and didn't say anything. So when I try to follow him, I know I can't keep up with him. So I send my owl familiar up above to try to keep an eye on him so that I don't lose track of where I need to be going. Go ahead and roll perception with advantage because your owl has some keen senses. All right, nine. Uh, It's a little hard to keep track because there's a lot of tree cover, but you've got the general sense of the direction that he's going. Kian's wolf form blends in nicely with the forest floor, but you got a general sense of the direction he's going, if not the literal eyes on him. You can see motion. I have proficiency in forest travel. Is that affected by my wild shape? It does make it easier for you to to make your way through the uh, through the underbrush. Yeah, absolutely. It, it absolutely helps you. But the wild shape does not negatively affect that proficiency. No, not in the least. Thank you. Yeah, it's slightly different than polymorph. Polymorph, you would basically have just the skills of the creature that you turn into. Wild shape allows you to kind of more easily blend the two. All right, so you make your way through the forest and the village is soon obscured from view by the dense trees. Sound under the canopy is muted, and the light fades to a kind of twilight between the tightly packed trees. Strange noises echo through the forest as you travel across the uneven ground, trying to avoid the twisted roots and sudden dips in the earth. Everybody who's following the trail, advantage for Kian to do a perception check. Grim gets four. Twelve for Logo. Five for Nassim. Kian will take the 25. I'm in the very back of the group, by the way. <laughs> like the last person. <laughs> I imagine. Adwin will take an 11. Should I be rolling for the familiar as well? Yeah, go ahead. 22. Awesome. Lago, uh, because you got a 12. Kian, because you got a 25. And Adwin's Owl, because you got a 22. And Cosmo, you got a 16. You all are able to keep the tracks pretty well followed. You do see small footprints. Particularly for Kian, you smell the scent is getting stronger. It's taken about an hour as you go deeper and deeper into this forest, following the game trails and what seems to be across a meandering brook and a few other obstacles that have gotten in the way. After that first hour, let's go ahead and do a second perception check. Lago's a 17. Grim's an 8. Kian's a 9. My familiar has a 14, and I have a 9. Cosmo, what did you get? Uh, 13. And Nassine? 18. All right. So you're able to keep an eye on the track. You definitely see more visible signs. You are slowly catching up. Particularly, Kian, are you waiting for the rest of your group to catch up, or are you bolting ahead? I'm just bolting ahead. Time is of the essence as far as I'm concerned. Okay. All right, so luckily, Kian's not making any attempts to be stealthy. So intermixed amongst the dog paw prints and the child prints, you see slightly larger than the dog prints of of the wolf. So one more check there. Let's see what happens. Perception? Yes, please. Perception. 19 for Kian. 21 for Adwin and 23 for the owl. 10 for Lago. Grim, 14. Nassim, 13. 15 for Cosmo. Okay, 
particularly for Adwin and your owl, you have that sink, that moment where both your senses sync up and you both smell the tang of fear in the wind. Kian, you also smell it and it spurs you onward. You can tell that there's an attack on its way. To make matters worse, you hear growling and howling. And Kian's um, wild shape only lasts for one hour, so he's, I think by now he should, um, I should have turned back into my uh, quarter elf form. Okay. So you were saying that we sense the smell? Yeah, you sense that there's an attack that's happening, and you hear howling and growling as you get closer and closer. So what we're going to do is I'm going to shift you over to the map where you will have this encounter. So let's go ahead and roll initiative, please. I'm going to make sure that we have everybody's turn order. So Cosmo, I have you as 11. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Okay. Kian, I have you as a 7. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And Lago, you have a 26. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Hey, Michael, not sure what's happening with Grimm's roll, but he got an 18. It's just not popping up in turn order. Okay. Adwin, I have you as a 9.16. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. All right. So we need to add in... Nassine had a 22. All right. Nassine had a 22. Let's do that. Excellent. So you see a sight before you. The bowl of trees forms a perimeter of a small clearing, maybe 60 feet across and open to the sky. Within this bright spot, so different from the deep forest around it, an outcropping of rock has saved a child and his dog from a grisly fate. You can see the tiny form of a halfling child dressed in mud-spattered and ripped dungarees clinging to the top of a rock like a limpet. Pacing at the base are a pair of lupine figures striding on their back legs as they pace around the base, their eyes intent and hungry. You see the older dog that the child is clinging to growling deeply, if ineffectually, at the werewolves around the rock. An eerie green light flashes behind the eyes of the werewolves as they raise their heads and howl. So, Kian, I'm going to give you one free action because you appeared there first, uh, right before the rest of your party, and then we'll move into actual turn order. So what are you going to do, Kian? Kian would like to dash to, um, is it Tamini? Yes. Uh, Tamini and Jasper, uh, if I can dash that far. Let's see, you should be able to make, yeah, if you're going to not attack, you absolutely, you can get up on the rock with them. Okay, that's what I will do in a um, in a defensive, uh, protective manner. Kian, you run full pelt past the two startled werewolves who were very keen on having a little boy as a snack, scrambling up the rock and take a defensive position next to Kaimini and the dog. The dog seems to almost recognize that you're there to help and does not growl towards you just kind of scooches over and remains growling at the at the werewolves so lago it's your turn lago is going to move up uh bonus action he's gonna hexblade curse this wolf and then he's far away so he's going to uh double elders blast so he raises an empty hand a spectral uh double-barreled flintlock appears and he takes two shots awesome 
10 for Lago on the first shot, misses. The first shot goes wide as the werewolf ducks underneath it, but then 15, that one hits it square in the face as the second shot takes hold. Uh, that's two, but plus three is, is my proficiency for the exploit curse. So five. Okay. Five. All right. Uh, anything else you wanted to do, Lago? That's my stuff. All right. Nassine, you're next. All right. Nassine is going to run up to this werewolf on the right up here. I'm just going to go at him with my trident double-handed attack. Okay. <laughs> 22. Also, you have a second attack. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. All right. So the the 22 on the first one absolutely hits, sinking into the flesh of the creature. It howls in pain as your trident sinks into it. You pull back and strike again, swiping across its face, hitting with a 19. Nicely done. Total is 20. Nice. It is quite angered by your attacks against it. It drops into a low stance, snarling. All right, Grim, it's your turn. All right, he needs a little bit more advantage to see both of them, so he's going to move up near Adwin and Cosmo. And then using Dread Ambusher, he's going to attack the one that Nassine just attacked. Okay. So... Let me see if I can get that right. All right, he's gonna shoot his bow, and he does have advantage on the first. On the first attack? Attack. So, uh, 22. Okay, absolutely hit. Cool, and then I do need to, because of the feature that I have. I can do an extra d8 to him. Okay, seven. Nicely done. All right. And your bow, your bow is just a just a regular long bow. Is that correct? Just a regular bow. I do get an extra attack as well. Right. Now, the first arrow streaks towards the werewolf, but the arrow doesn't seem to do quite as much damage as you hoped it would. It seems as though its hide is resistant to any damage that no. you do that is not magical. Shoot. Okay. Well, now that I know that. <laughs> now, because Adwin is close to me, can I, or even Cosmo, can I use my next action instead of attack? Can I let them know? Can I give them that information? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm, I'm spreading the wealth. Cosmo, Adwin, we need to do magical damage. Magic? I know magic. Your specialty. Uh, uh, what's magic? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us to the werewolf that had been hexed by Lago. You see it rears back its head and it howls as it begins to close the distance and come up to Lago. It's going to try to swipe at you with its claw and 16 does not hit you. And then it's going to try to take a bite at you. Natural one. Come it tries to, to bite at you, and your just natural dexterity causes it to actually snag its mouth on a tree branch nearby as you duck underneath it. And it pulls back, spitting out splinters of wood. So that's the end of its turn. And brings us to Cosmo. 
Great. Uh, I'm going to move up a little bit and then cast <laughs> Spirit Guardians over okay. this werewolf in Lago. But I, I can designate who I want affected by it, so just werewolves. I think it, it, it becomes a, a, a field around you. Uh, oh, mm -hmm. 15 feet around. Okay, yeah. So I'm just going to use my movement then to get close enough so he's in the bubble. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so these little kind of phantasmal, multicolored fairies begin to dance all around you, like little little sprites, pixies, grigs, and other wild creatures create this kind of like swarming screen around you. Awesome. So when does that take effect? It takes effect when he starts his turn. Is that correct? Uh, no, it says on halved when it enters the area for the first time or on a turn. Yeah, on its first turn. Yeah, you're right. Must make a wisdom saving. Okay. So when he starts his turn, that's when he'll he'll have to make the wisdom saving throw and take the damage. Awesome. Anything else you wanted to do, Cosmo? I just wanted to look at Lago and tell him. It's a good thing that us small guys can work together. Awesome. Okay. Lago gives him a wink. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. All right, Adwin, it is your turn. All right, so Adwin responds to uh, his companion's uh, piece of information. Roger that. Good call. And I move up. My intention is to cast a mind sliver on the werewolf that Lago is in combat with. After seeing Cosmo cast the uh, Spirit Guardians, he knows that uh, it's good timing for a Mind Sliver. He does okay. glance over it at our paladin friend, but he is uh, more than positive that she's able to fend for herself against one creature at the present Fantastic. moment. All right, is that an intelligence save or do you make an attack with that? It is an intelligence save. All right, okay, he gets a nine, so that's not gonna save. Eight damage, awesome. Okay, so Mind Sliver, you drive a disorienting psychic energy. It takes 1d8 psychic damage. Subtract 1d4 from the next saving throw it makes before the end of its turn. Nicely done. All right, so he's got he's got a bit of a hamper going for him. So the next creature is this werewolf that is locked in battle with Nassim. It is angry at you and snarls viciously and you hear what sounds like words coming out of it what languages do you speak Nassim? common and primordial okay yeah this just it sounds like gibberish you could tell it's saying something to you but in a language you don't quite understand so it takes a swipe at you with a claw and then a bite at you so claw 12 and then bite 9 both of which glance off of your armor you're able to deflect with your trident being able to kind of keep it at bay all right so that's the end of it and kian brings us back to your turn bottom of the order so which um which werewolf was hit with mind sliver uh the one due south of you the one that's uh, locked in combat with lago hopfoot with lago okay i would yes. like to cast melf's acid arrow at that it has a 90 foot range 17 17 does hit 10 points of damage. Oof, nice, nicely done. So this arrow, this sickly green arrow shoots right out of your hand, slamming into the back of the werewolf and screams as the acid begins to bubble its flesh. And it shoots a murderous glare over its shoulder at you. That brings us back to Lago. Lago, you're up. Okay, 
As a bonus action, I'm going to cast Wrathful Smite. Awesome. Fantastic. And then um, for my attack, I'm going to do Booming Blade. Can you do Booming Blade and Wrathful Smite at the same time? They're both bonus actions, aren't no. they? Booming Blade is a cantrip okay. that takes the place of my attack. Okay. All right. Great. Awesome. Go for it. That is a 15 plus another 1d6 Psychic. And then it's got to make a uh, DC 15 Wisdom save or be frightened of me. Okay. 15 does hit. Absolutely. I'll have it make the Wisdom saving throw. 18 minus a d4, 17, so it is not afraid of you. It's going to take another 5, and then the booming only comes in when it tries to move, is that correct? Well, so it takes 11 piercing, it would take 5 thunder now, 7 okay. sneak, and then, yeah, if it moves, it takes another 7. All right, it is looking straight messed up. Excellent. Then I'm going to move back out of its reach. Okay. All right. Great. That's my turn. And as a swashbuckler, you absolutely can do stuff like that. So that's the end of that, which brings us back to Nassim. All right, doggy. Let's see how you like this. We are going to do Searing Smite, and I will attack with my trident, double-handed. 17 absolutely hits. And they do, ha do they have to make a uh, constitution saving throw for your Searing Smite? The attack should deal 1d6, they have to do... Or does it just happen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, okay. So it does the damage and then it catches them on fire. Excellent. All right. So, 17 absolutely does hit the first time and 24 hits the second time. Excellent. Go ahead and roll your extra d6 for damage. Four, okay. It begins howling in pain, absolutely excruciating pain, as the fur begins to ignite and these righteous flames begin to sear its skin with your searing smite. Did you want to do anything else, Nassim? Nope, that's it. All right, Grim, we're on you. All right, I'm going to move just a little bit closer, and I'm going to attack the one that's getting up on Nassim, and I'm going okay. to cast Hunter's Mark. Oh, I should have done the actual bow attack first. My yeah, bad. you have to do the bow attack first. Yep, That's you're okay. good. 19. 19 absolutely hits. Sweet. And then the the hunter's mark does an extra damage dependent upon what type of damage you're doing, correct? Yes. Okay. So again, the, the arrow sinks in a little bit, but then slowly kind of just pops out. Doesn't seem to do very much in the way of damage. All right, I'm ending my turn. All right, that brings us to our friend, the closest werewolf, who is still very angry. He's going to make a jump at Lago. He will take his extra seven points of damage. Actually, the penalty already was on to him for the fear effect for the... For my Wrathful Smite, yeah. So he gets a 10 wisdom, which means, nope, he doesn't make that save. He takes the extra seven damage. He is looking ragged, but he's going to make those two attacks against you regardless. Bite and claw. 18. Uh, 18 on the bite does hit uh, does hit you. 
So, you're going to take four piercing damage, and I need you to make a constitution saving throw, Laga. Ooh. Oh, okay. Uh, his fangs sink into your flesh, and you can feel a burning sensation coursing through your body. You can feel the muscles tightening up, and you feel your head swimming a little bit almost immediately. I, I would like to interject something real quick. Yes, please. When I see that teeth sink into my companion and he grunts in pain or whatever his facial expression is, I want to turn back time for just a moment. Oh, okay. So what effect are you invoking? Chronal shift. That'll do it. Oh, yes. Chronal shift as a reaction after you or a creature you can see within 30 feet makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw. Now the question is, are you within 30 feet? You can help Lago re-roll that save. Mm -hmm. That works for me. He's close enough. Go for it. Lago, you get another bite at the apple, so to speak. 21! (laughs) All right. You feel for a minute there. You feel the, the burning, and then all of a sudden it was like deja vu that didn't quite happen. You feel the bite, but you feel your internal will just fighting off this infection as your constitution rallies to prevent you from contracting something that might have been rather awkward. And also that reminds me, the werewolf needs to take the damage from the spirit guardian. So Cosmo, will you roll the damage for the spirit guardians? Oh yeah, okay. So, and that takes him out of the out of the fight as the the fairies sensing their moment of weakness that 15 points of radiant damage begins to just dissolve it. It is just absolutely uh, disintegrated by these these motes of light that have little pixie faces and little pixie wings and rig legs and all that sort of stuff. So, excellent. Uh, as he dies, I get three hit points back. Yep, you sure do. I really wanted a were-rabbit on our team. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, so that brings us to Cosmo. Uh, I'm gonna fly up next to Lago. And okay. I'm going to give him my blessing of the trickster for whatever he wants to okay. do. The scene's still fighting something, right? Yep, still fighting one of the werewolves. And then I'm just going to end my turn. <laughs> All right, Edwin. With the clutch play, you're up. Um, I scoot forward, pulling up next to Grim once again, and I target the uh, okay. the other werewolf that the scene is fighting with a mind sliver. Mind sliver. All right. And a four. No. So go ahead and roll your damage. Seven. Oof. Savage. Nicely done. So you you hear it howl out in pain as it clutches its head. And then I uh, mentally I tell my owl to stay aloft and stay aware of any uh, approaching enemies all right anything else nope i end my turn all right so the werewolf is now slavering it's bloodied it's angry it's desperate it saw its friend meet its maker it's going to make another couple attacks against nasin 17 does not hit you both times. All right. So it flails powerlessly against your armor, scraping and scratching. You can see its claws making these deep rakes across your armor, but your armor holds true. Kian, 
It is your turn. So Kian looks to his left, sees the werewolf in Nassine, and um, casts another acid arrow. Okay, great. 18 absolutely hits. Let me see the damage. 10. Nicely done. As the arrow sinks into the werewolf, how does it go to meet its maker? Kian's hands glowing green. The acid arrow shoots from his hands. Three of them impale themselves into the back of the werewolf as it's bearing down on the scene. He collapses to his knees. It's an acid arrow, so he dissolves. Oh, awesome. All right, so these these burbling... (laughs) bubbling acid hits. So we're going to go ahead and end combat there because that was the last enemy. Uh, So you see the boy atop the rock clinging desperately onto his dog who is licking his face and you can see tear streaks down the child's face uh, as he's starting to cry realizing the trouble that he's gotten into and uh, the very frightful uh, moment he had there. Luckily, you as a group of heroes have shown up and fairly handily dispatched within about 18 seconds, dispatched these two menacing werewolves. What would you guys like to do now? Grim's going to walk up to the base of the rock and pull out the teddy bear that um, Tamini's dad gave him and just kind of call down to him. Tamini, come on, bud. Your dad... Your dad and mom want you home. Look. And I show him the bear. Mama, Papa, they said they said not to go after my after my dog, but I love Jasper. I, I, I was worried about him. And Jasper, you can see, is is like he is an old dog. He is he's got that hunchback yeah. and his, his hips are kinda like bowed down and he's very protective of Taimini. They both eventually kind of crawl down off of the rock, and you can see the little boy is trying to bravely fight back tears, but he's still very, very small. So, Kian, you're still on the rock as well. Adwin, did you say you wanted to do something? Yes, I uh, kind of lago, lago. Let's let's investigate these werewolf bodies and seek clues. I'm going to help Adwin. Go ahead and roll an investigation check. You can either each do it separately or one can help the other and give the other person advantage, whichever you'd prefer. Adwin, you have advantage. While they're doing that, I'm going to put a reassuring hand on Tamini's shoulder and help him down off the rock along with Jasper. Okay, great. And you do notice he has a lot of scrapes on his elbows and knees, so obviously he scrambled up there. You know, they got that kind of weeping wounds on there. But he doesn't seem to have any bites on him, no obvious bites. And Jasper looks like he's rough, but it doesn't look like he's been bitten either. And you help him down. All right, Adwin, what'd you get for your investigation? I got a 23 with my advantage on investigation. Excellent. Most werewolves that you've heard stories of, there's always some kind of like scrap of clothing that's left over from when they transformed. There's usually something mortal about them, humanoid about them. These are different. These werewolves, instead of having any scraps of clothing, you could see into their fur, almost like a tattoo that comes out with the fur, is a strange swirling pattern, like a tattoo that is coloring the fur as much as it is coloring the flesh underneath. And you see that it's got kind of a greenish tinge to it. Um, Would this be something Lago recognizes? Maybe from his childhood. I'll have you roll a 
history check or just intelligence if you're not trained in history. Can I assist him? Yeah, you can put your heads together. So that would give him advantage as you bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah, so have you seen this before? What'd you get for your intelligence check, Lago? Actually, that's a 19. Okay, a 19. You remember as a child, because it was a while back when you left the Feywild. You were just a, a small boy when you left the Feywild, but you do remember some of the folk stories. And in fact, your clan, as they set up their camp on the coast of the Western Sea, used to still tell stories of the old lands. And this is an indication of a group of werewolves or a group of were-creatures that live in the Feywild that refer to themselves as the Wild Hunt. The Feywild is chaotic at the best of times. Sometimes it's malicious, sometimes it's benevolent, but never like deliberately malevolent or deliberately benevolent. It's just kind of accidental. And although individuals can kind of vary, this set of were-creatures have a reputation of not just being chaotic, of not just relishing the hunt, not just terrorizing people, but being notorious for it. Very few people have ever had any positive interaction with the wild hunt. They are typically more interested in the savagery of bloodletting. It's psychologically torturing a creature. It's almost like they feed on the fear that the creatures that they hunt give off. And when the creature gets to the point where it has no more fear to give, or like it's kind of like bled of that fear, gets numb to it, that's when the physical hunt is culminated. So it's more like they're they're kind of like psychic vampires in a way, in that they feed off of that negative fear-based energy. That's at least what the stories tell you. Uh, Lago's going to relate that back to Adwin, and to say it seems like this is the wild hunt. It's a fey thing. They um, they feed on fear, and then they feed on... So, someone like Timony over there would have been very attractive. Interesting. I may have ran across something along these lines in the books I've read, but good information. Information is always necessary. And, they, and it would have it would have something like this these references in your in your studies especially of time some of the ability to manipulate time does stem from study of the Feywild because time happens differently in the Feywild and it's not consistently different like for instance like one minute in the Feywild is a year in the real world. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes one minute in the Feywild is a hundred years in the real world. Other times it's one minute, or other times it's only ten seconds. So it's a very weird manipulation. And so tangentially, your study of magic, you would have come across this name, you would have heard some of the stories, not really your jam, but you at least came across them. Understood. Okay, the child Taimini is standing there, his large eyes brimming with tears, but he seems comforted, his nose running. He wipes his nose with a sleeve and has an arm around Jasper. Jasper's a medium-sized dog. Taimini is a halfling child, so interestingly enough, Jasper's almost as big as a horse compared to Taimini. So it would be, basically, he's got his arm up and around Jasper, and Jasper's kind of like shoulder is roughly equal with with Taimini's ear, uh, roughly about the same height. 
Grim's gonna squat down and kind of talk to him again and just say, Hey, bud, let's get you home, huh? Let's get you out of these woods. And he nods and he sniffles and he, he uh, reaches his hand up to Grim and holds on to your hand tightly. I take his hand back and we start walking back. Kian is watching this very intently. Kian, you are basically hovering over the two of them, watching, keeping a keen eye on them. Excellent. And you guys make your way back to the village then? Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Yes. Okay. As you come back, uh, you could see the the villagers had become more and more concerned. They had watched where you left, and then rumors of your return have kind of spread because as you come out of the forest and you get close to the dome, you can feel this kind of push, almost like you're walking through a very strong wind, like it's trying to stop you from coming in. But eventually you do make your way through and take a couple of stumbling steps when you get on the far side because that pressure is suddenly just gone. Taimini sees his parents and runs quickly to them and they scoop him up and the dog does its best kind of trotting forward, tail wagging as, as much effort as it can. And they tell Jasper what a good boy he is. And, you know, and, and Taimini, they're kind of like, we're so glad you're safe. The child is, Mama, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Papa. I'm sorry. And they're like, no, no, it's okay, honey. As long as you're safe. Thank you. And you see the two parents turn to you and say, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. We were worried sick. We were so worried. We thought maybe at first he had fallen down a well, but then we saw the signs of, of maybe that he took off in the forest and, we were sure he was doomed, but thank you. And they, they shake each of your hands in turn and just heap praise on you. And, and there's villagers who are patting you on the back and giving you a thumbs up. And you can see for the first moment, the atmosphere in this village is not one of impending doom. That there is a possibility of hope shining through. Big damn heroes. Well, that was a, a well-spent afternoon. I think we did well. You know, just an average afternoon taking out the werewolves. Speaking of taking out the werewolves, I think we should uh, investigate that a little further. I doubt those were the only two. No, me either. You think there's a like alpha werewolf out there? They said that they would retreat when they heard a howl, which means to me there had to be more. And probably a leader. What does everybody else think about this plan? Well, considering the time of day... It took us a couple hours to get out there. It took a couple hours to get back. Relatively short battles. I know myself, I don't know how you guys and gals feel, but I don't think I want to go hunting after werewolves at dark. Noah gives them the advantage. Exactly. I think we should inspect the village and its defenses, especially the magic shield. All right, so um, are you you're going to inspect the shield? Uh, who wants to take point on inspecting the shield? I just wasn't going to step on any feet, but yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, arcane magic is your thing. Of all the people in the party, you know the most about arcane magic. Absolutely. And it was my suggestion, I'll go with him. Go ahead and make an arcana check. I'll give it to you with advantage, because Kian is going with you, and basically pointing out anything that his non-arcane eyes would catch. Well, there goes that. All the pluses. <laughs> I have a, a with advantage, I have a 14. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's still good enough. You are fascinated by this spell. A, it seems to take certain elements of a much higher level spell and weave them into a kind of fabricy wall. It's not quite as well done as you've heard 
like Resilient Sphere or Wall of Force that you've heard described in books, but this is definitely some top tier spell casting here, and you're not surprised that your your friend has collapsed, that the, the immense strain that must have been put on Rahimi is just mind-boggling. As you are inspecting this, you overhear a couple of people talking. So go ahead and roll a... Let's do perception check, because you're just kind of catching words. Alrighty, rolling a perception check, and while I'm doing that, I am speaking out loud for my companion to be in awe as well as I am of the magic that it took to make this shield, and I go on long rants about the technical aspects of it. My experience with magic is is very limited and very new, but I agree that um, it does appear to me to be very powerful and, and intimidating to me. I rolled a nine on my perception check. All right, and Kian, I'm going to have you roll a perception check as well. Uh, I matched Adwin and rolled a nine. Okay, excellent. Yeah, you hear them talking in whispered tones as they're watching the forest, but the wall seems to be intact. You can see why this would stop werewolves from jumping in and charging the town. It doesn't stop a slow progression, but anything that was running at it would probably hit it like uh, jumping off of a very high bridge onto water. Yeah, eventually you'll go into the water, but first you'll hit the water full force and it will probably hurt a lot, if not kill you. Uh, what is the rest of the party doing? Lago is going to go talk to Rahim. All right. You make your way to the chapel, and you find that Silvesti is still tending Rahimi and has a very worried and concerned look on her face. Nassine's going to go follow Lago to see Rahimi, and I want to check out the other patients that are there as well. Nassine and Cosmo, you make your way to the church slash hospital or hospice right now. Just like you did before, Cosmo, you see several of the patients are strapped down with rather sturdy leather straps to keep them from thrashing in their beds and hurting themselves. You can see there's like bruises on their arms where the, the they've been straining against the restraints, the foaming at the mouth. Very classical of rabies, but now that you know what you're up against, you know it's definitely not rabies. It is definitely something that is trying to transform their body. And it is only through the magic of Sylveth that they are not transforming. Because you know that, at least in your experience, you know that the transformation is relatively quick. Nassim, you see these people and it, it breaks your heart. You can see that there are men and women, young and old, doesn't matter there are at least eight people here and then Rahimi herself is unconscious she doesn't seem to have any injuries on her but it seems as though she is very pale her breathing is shallow and she's not really responsive it seems as though she's kind of in a type of coma uh Cosmo flies over to Nassine and sort of whispers uh I I don't think there's anything I can do to fix this. Uh, we probably shouldn't stay around here very long. Unless you want to be one of them. There isn't much holding them back from transforming, and what's here does not seem like it's, it's that strong. If we leave, this entire town is going to be attacked by their own people. Once this force holding the transformation back stops, 
It's up to us to protect these people. That's my mission and my duty. Can you fix this? I'm not sure, but I'll find a way if I can. I put up my hands. Cosmo just keeps following the scene around, just like trying to reassure her, but it knows there's not really anything that's going to be done. All right. And what are the rest of you doing? What's what's Lago doing? What's uh, Grim doing? So Lago went to go talk to Rahimi. You said Rahimi's unconscious. Rahimi is unconscious. She's very pale. She's got very shallow breathing. You can see her face is completely covered in sweat. But you see no no evidence of any bites or marks on her. Lago's going to look at Sylvith and say, What do you know about the wild hunt? Sylvith gives a little bit of startle. She's like, I've, I've, I've heard stories. I mean, it's fairy tales of, you know, of chasing stags through the forest and there being like a, a bunch of creatures. Sometimes they're fairies running through and sometimes it's other wolves chasing through and sometimes it's people running through, getting caught up in the wild hunt. Why? What does that have to do with this? That's what this is. These wolves are from the wild hunt. Wait, you mean like the from the stories, Wild Hunt? Yes. Each of us has been corresponding with Rahimi because we've been looking for our own reasons for signs of the Feywild. And uh, Rahimi was helping us with that. And uh, this appears to be one of them. I don't know why it's here. I was hoping Rahimi might have a clue. Um, did she keep a journal or a notebook or anything that might well give us some idea of why this is happening here i don't know let me let me look in in her stuff she she did stay here so just a moment and sylveth goes back behind the altar to a little living area where obviously she had stayed in when she opens up the door you see there's a bed against the far wall but there's also like a blanket roll like a camping roll on the floor so obviously rahimi has been staying there you hear her rooting through some things and after a while she comes back with a a journal and in the journal it's mostly talking about studying the fae you see patterns emerging there's mentions of you and your group and of of mist island and of the various different accounts that are associated with mist island and then you see the reason why rahimi came here she had divined a spell that was able to locate where the Feywild energy was strongest, like kind of like the fabric between the mortal realm and the Fey realm had been worn thin, like a thick cloth that had been worn sanded down by, by scraping against a rock. And she theorized in some certain places that enough magical energy could be focused on these to make the Feywild kind of punch through and allow the Feywild to coexist with the mortal realm. Typically the Feywild is in sync with and a kind of mirror to the mortal realm. So for example, a swamp may be a beautiful lake in the Feywild or vice versa. But in this case, it's like overwriting, like erasing an old drawing and putting a new drawing on top of. The hints are still there of the mortal realm, but now the Feywild is on top of the mortal realm. And finally, the last page that you get to mentions something called the Green Heart, which seems to be a 
cherished place to the villagers that they felt a connection to wilderness and to growth and to the environment around them and that she seems to have fixated on the green heart as the center of where this punch has happened where the the kind of like the portal the the door that allowed the Feywild to kind of come through is probably centered on I'm going to um, take the journal uh, with the intention of showing it to uh, Sion and Adwin and maybe Grim or help Cosmo and then uh, is there anything else in her belongings that might give us a hint of if she had a way to find this thing or anything like that the only thing that really kind of stands out is that she did say that this was an important landmark to the villagers and although she doesn't have directions there you surmise you could probably inquire about the village and find out where this is so the green heart is like a location yes okay then I'm going to take the journal with me and uh, go find the others. Grim, what are you doing? I'm walking around town seeing what the villagers have to say about everything going on. And I do, at some point, want to make my way to a shop because I am hard focused on being able to damage these creatures and not have them get a chance at hurting anybody else. All right. There's some simple shops that are set up. They're mostly dry goods. Most of the people are actually actively out patrolling the border, so there's not really any shopkeep. If you inquire around, you can absolutely find the person who's in charge of the shop, and they have weapons to offer you, but they're very simple weapons. Nothing fancy. It would be like, you know, for self-protection, they might have arrows for a hunting bow, daggers, there might be the occasional thresher that could be used as a flail kind of thing, but uh, nothing particularly outstanding. Nothing silvered or anything? Nope. Wonderful. Do, as I'm walking the border trying to find a shopkeep or just around town, is anybody talking about the uh, wolves or what's going on? Go ahead and roll a perception check. Because technically, I don't know anything of what's going on. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Twelve. You're kind of like listening to the different conversations. The majority of the conversations are centered around the fact that the sun is going down soon. The attacks typically are worse at night. And you come across some kids who are practicing with slings uh, target practice. And you see one of the kids is particularly good. The sling is able to hit targets fairly consistently. As they hit the wooden target, it doesn't sound like stone. It sounds like something else. And the kid goes, yeah, and starts looking around like, yeah, I'm the best. And he starts kind of bragging. He seems like one of the older kids who is like showing off for the younger kids. If he sees me, I kind of give him a clawed thumb up. And he goes, huh. He kind of gives you a thumbs up and a strange look at the same time. And uh, one of the other kids goes, Jimmy, Jimmy, give me a chance. Give me a chance. Let me use those. And you see him reaching into the the ammo pouch and you hear a clink in the ammo pouch. And he goes, hey, knock it off. Those are mine. I'm going to walk up to him and not try and scare them. And then just... Hey guys, what are you doing? Oh, Jimmy's Jimmy's showing us how he's good at the sling. And Jimmy, the slightly older kid, you put him about maybe 13 or 14, crosses his arms and goes, Yeah, I'm the best in the town. And I've got my own ammunition. These kids are running around with rocks. 
That's stupid. Rocks are rocks are stupid. Why are they stupid? Because these work much better. And he reaches into his pouch and he pulls out four silver pieces. And he goes, yeah, my dad had these hidden. And I figure, you know, these are really good to throw. And he puts one along his index finger and he kind of flicks it. And it flies like a little frisbee a fair distance. He goes, I figure if you could do that, you could really do it with a sling. And he puts one in the sling twirls it and throws it and sure enough you know bang hits right in the center of the target see told you it's better Hmm. you are too smart jimmy yeah see told you i'm smart and he looks around at the other kids and the kids are like oh man we want to be able to come on let's have a play oh it's our turn so jimmy where could i possibly find more silver and maybe your friends want more silver too well I took my dad's stuff, but he doesn't know. He's out patrolling the stupid perimeter. I'm going to kill me the biggest one. I'm going to get those wolves. I like your enthusiasm, kid. Just stay far away, all right? That slingshot can get you some distance. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to get them every time they I'm going to I'm going to be on top of my house. They won't be able to jump up there. And so the the kid goes, "That's actually a really good idea." And one of the other kids goes, yeah, I'm going to race you. And they start running off. And Jimmy goes, hey, it's it's my house. Shut up. Get back here. And he runs off as well, chasing after them, saying, you know, get away from my house. It's my house. I raise my eyebrow. This silver could be very useful to us. <laughs> Grim sees Kian grab the uh, silver piece. Is it pretty bad that the kids have this more figured out than the adults? <laughs> Kian raises an eyebrow at him. Really? I think we should find the others and see if we can spot some silver. Yeah, but nobody has anything in the shops. Trust me, I've looked. And ask Sylveth if she knows of any silver in the in the village that the villagers are, are willing to um, collect and provide in defense of the village. We can go back. Please help. Let's try and find some. All right. Do you gather the rest of the party and, and uh, brief them? Yes. Let's go do that. What does everybody think of that idea? As soon as Kian told Cosmo about this thing, he... Cosmo goes, You're right, Kian. I think we do need to put down all these wounded werewolves. There's no stopping the plague. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. We don't know that. They haven't transformed yet. We don't have any more information. We need to be real careful before we start talking about a mass village genocide. Keen's the one collecting all the silver. I don't know what to tell you guys. Just read in the room. Reading it wrong. Nassine's going to go talk to Sylveth and ask her what is it that she's using to hold the transformation back. She says that she has gathered a number of herbs that are useful in treating infections. And she says this particular one, silver leaf, this is really good for cleaning wounds out. And she has some other ones on there, like arrowroot and king's oil and a couple of others. Go ahead and roll a nature check, Nassim. 11. With an 11, you're kind of familiar with some of those. None of them really kind of like jump out at you, but you get the feeling that maybe there's something in the herbs that she's gathering that may be assisting. I'm going to share the information with my party members. Do you know anything about these herbs? Silverleaf, arrowroot, king's foil. What do I know about these herbs? Same here. 
All right, so you can, again, roll separately, or one can help the other to give the other advantage, whichever you'd prefer. I'll assist him. Now, how would that roll work? Am I just giving him advantage, basically? Yeah, you're basically giving him advantage. Instead of taking a roll yourself, you're giving your roll to him. Perfect. I will assist. All right, so you put your heads together, and you think deeply. You start going through all the different herbs. Now, she's using quite a range of herbs in this poultice. And what'd you get, Adwin? I got a 13. Yeah, with a 13, that's more than enough to cover a lot of the, for lack of a better term, the hedge medicine that's used out in the wilderness in the far edges. One particularly jumps out to you. Sometimes it's called aconite. You also know it as monkshood. But also, you have occasionally heard it referred to as wolfsbane. And I relay the information, ah, this one here in particular is wolfsbane. Well, it's known as wolfsbane. And just so happens we happen to be conversing on tracking some would-be wolves. How many villagers are in this kind of makeshift hospital that are afflicted with the, the, the bites and the possible transformation? About eight. There's eight that are laying in beds. A couple are in beds because of broken bones and they're recuperating like a, a broken leg. Somebody has a concussion, their head's all bandaged up. But the others, there's eight that have been affected, have... Uh, have been receiving this poultice, which it seems to be slowing down the progress of this disease, if not completely eradicating it. What physically are the properties of wolfsbane? Is it a root? Is it a leaf? What is it exactly? It's a growing plant, and in particular, these wolfsbanes are this purple kind of cow-looking flower that are being used. Adwin, you had something? Where did we come up with this concept that silver was going to be useful? Because if that's the case, can't we just collect some silver coins, melt them down, and dip our weapons in them? But I was just wondering, where did we come up with the concept that silver was going to be useful? I have heard that silver is effective against werewolves. Excellent. Well, with that being the case, then why don't we trade with, with these people for some silver and get a forge going in here, and we can dip some arrow tips and some daggers and things like that. Maybe that will help. That's a great idea. Another another possibility that um, we might think of is to melt down the silver into threads of some kind and um, infuse it into bindings. And I'm wondering if that would help hold back uh, the villagers that are affected if they try to transform. I don't disagree. And I, I would also tell the villagers that while we don't want to have to put their fellow villagers down but they might want to reinforce those straps that are keeping them down to the table just in case just in case maybe restrain them with some kind of silver infused restraints just an idea Lago's was going to say this threat is coming from the feywild if we can shut down the route that they're coming in from that might help these people too in terms of uh, cutting off this disease at the source cutting off the head of the snake oh it's not a snake it's wolves when you say that Adwin kind of like looks at you and then he looks away <laughs> did you think these were snakes yeah. I'm confused <laughs> <laughs> it's a term never mind <laughs> has he seen a snake Adwin, snakes are long and scaly, and these are large and furry. <laughs> and you just see Adwin kind of like shaking his head in disbelief, like, ah, uh, never mind. 
Uh, Nassim's going to ask Sylv with how much more of the herbal concoction she has left. Um, not not a lot, but uh, I do have a garden out back. And she shows you, and there is a couple of plants that do look similar to that wolfsbane that you have. Enough to concoct a few cures, maybe, if you have the right skill set for it. You feel like between the two rather large plants that are back there, that maybe something could be concocted to help fight this infection better. I'm going to go to my party members and say uh, she doesn't have enough to last for these eight patients. And if anyone else gets infected, they're going to be in even bigger trouble. We've got two threats, one from the inside and one from the outside. If we can control this threat and try and find something to save these people, or at least hold the transformation off until then, we can save a few extra lives as well as the whole village. Kian impatiently interrupts everybody, <laughs> turns to Sylveth and says, no more messing around. We're not here to steal silver or anything. This is purely to save everyone's life and to protect the village. Is there more silver in this village or not? She says, well, I, maybe some people have some coins saved up, but mostly we do a lot of barter and a lot of our trade is in copper pieces. Uh, occasionally some silver comes in and and if we're lucky, gold. I say I have five silver currently, and I will trade with any uh, any villager who has. Uh, I will give them a gold equivalent to whatever silver they have so we can get all the silver uh, in the village. Can you spread that among your people and so we can get this this pot of brewing? Okay. Um, um, well, uh, I'll tell... Well... I guess I could, but I think maybe you should probably talk to Raynor. He he would be able to gather as many people. Uh, I really shouldn't leave the, the sick. Right on. And I turn to leave. Kian stomps out to go find Raynor. Uh, you find him fairly easily. He's directing people. He's saying, yes, I know. I know the sun is setting. It's okay. We, we've got heroes here. He's trying to allay fears and people are all like, but what about, but what about? And you keep hearing the whatabouts uh, from a bunch of different people. Mr. Raynor. Uh, yeah, yes. I say, uh, Mr. Raynor, would it be possible for you to get your townsfolk to gather all their silver and, uh, and I will trade them gold equivalent up until I run out of gold so that we can get the silver to help myself and my companions forge weapons or potentially forge weapons that will help us in the ensuing uh, battle. Um, you wouldn't happen to have a blacksmith that's not infected, would you? Um, well, unfortunately our blacksmith was one of the first infected, but um, I think we can work his forge. I mean, just have to make, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking of? One of my companions came up with the idea of melting down the silver Okay, well, um, his son is, uh, is around here somewhere. Somebody seen Jimmy? Somebody find Jimmy! After about 40 minutes or so of gathering, a small pile of silver has been laid out. If you've paid them for it, they're over the moon. Few people ever get to see gold in these parts. And pretty soon you have Jimmy, the slingshot master, or the sling master back at the forge wearing his father's apron which is still a little bit too big on him and he's directing people you have enough to silver one weapon 
or 20 arrows. What about a dagger and 10 arrows? Sure. Yeah. A dagger and 10 arrows. I would be much more useful with a silver dagger. I'm going to need the arrows, so however you guys want to do weapons, I'll take 20 or 10 arrows. I'm fine. I've got magic arrows, my acid arrows, so I don't need the silver. I think um, the others should take them. Um, Because I have magic at my disposal, and uh, I'm not going to need a weapon, uh, so however you guys choose to divvy that up, it's fine. Kian pulls out his 12 silver pieces, holds them out, and says, let's go melt these down with any other silver we can find. I follow Sian. Fast forward, we're going to do like an 80s montage of you roughly forging or roughly silvering these. Now, because Jimmy is just an apprentice, this won't last beyond, say, a few uses. It is not in any way professionally silvered like you would get at an actual trained blacksmith, but it is competent enough that it will make you effective in, say, the next fight or maybe a couple of fights before the silver flakes off and is is no longer considering a silvered weapon. So there it is, a dagger and ten arrows. When Jimmy is done forging the silver, um, Kian takes out two gold pieces and puts them on the on the anvil for him. No sooner does it touch the anvil than swipe that little gloved hand comes along and goes, Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that makes me the master blacksmith here. And he hefts the hammer over his shoulder and you see it pulls him a little bit. He is a... a, a pretty strong kid for his age but obviously he's using his father's tools which are much much more weighty than maybe he's even used to kian raises an eyebrow at him and says don't get cocky (laughs) he kind of deflates a little bit but he still puts on a brave face he's got adoring little fans the rest of the boys and girls that are younger than him are all watching him work the forge because he is just emerged as the coolest kid in the village not only is he great at the slingshot He's got silver that inspired the heroes, and he just forged some heroic weapons. So he's going to be living high on that for a while. Right on. So we're going to wait for the attack, or we're going to bring them the fight? After he's done, I'm going to pull Jimmy aside, and I'm going to say, Hey, if you want to be safe, and you need to be safe, come with me, because I'm going to do exactly what you were planning on anyway. I'm going to hit the rooftops, and we're going to knock these guys out. All right. So, Grim, you're getting up on the rooftops, and you see the sun is setting, and the moon is coming out. Kian, I would like you to roll a nature check, and Grim, you as well. I rolled a 15. 16. Excellent. 15 and a 16. Excellent. So, Kian and Grim, you are watching the moon coming up, and you notice something. Something that you hadn't considered before. The moon is a deep red color. And all of a sudden, all these stories, all these myths, all these legends, everything, all the evidence you've seen around you begins to coalesce. The moon doesn't normally rise blood red. It normally rises kind of an orangish color and then eventually gets paler. This is starting off blood red and it's not changing color as it rises. There is magic that is happening, and you feel like it's going to culminate at midnight. And if you wait around, you're going to have a large problem on your hands. And you feel as though something somewhere is using the magic of the Feywild to basically turn this village into like a home base of a new version 
of the wild hunt. Grim, I think we need to tell the others immediately. Crap, we can't wait here. This is going to be useless if we sit here. We're sitting ducks. But so are the villagers. Exactly. I'm going to go find Muse and uh, Adwin and let them know and then Cosmo. So you find Nassine, you find Cosmo, and you find Adwin and you inform them of what you two have basically concluded. Looks like we must bring the fight to them. We're worried about protecting the townsfolk from an impending attack or from the attack within uh, the impending attack. We should probably meet head on. Before we go, let me see if I can help strengthen the shield just a little bit more. And Nassine's using Channel Divinity to see if that will lend any strength to the shield. I'm going to have you roll... Let's have you roll a religion check as you channel that divinity into the shield. Uh, 18. Nice. 18. Nicely done. For the first time in a while, you feel that surge of the ocean. You can feel the currents. You feel the energy. And not only that, it's flowing through you. And you reach your hand out. And normally, when you channel your divinity for the marine layer, it creates a fog bank that makes it almost impenetrable. In this, you're touching the barrier and you feel the magic flow from you, almost like hot water being pulled out into cold water, that kind of rush. And you feel that energy leach down your arm and into the into the barrier as a silveriness takes over that kind of shimmeriness. And you feel like if things go poorly, if you guys say are in the in the wilderness and this is a fake out and something attacks the village that this is now infused with a similar magic to the silvered weapons this will weaken any werewolves that try to come in but it does nothing for any werewolves that might already be in but you feel like you've bolstered the barrier at least a little bit with the power of your gods okay that should hold it for a little while longer but it's no guarantee that if things start going south, the people in here that are already transforming will be the main danger. Is there anything that anyone can do to maybe hold off their transformation a little longer? You see Adwin go in his backpack and pull out some rope. It's like, no, but I think we should tie them down better. Okay, you help tie them down a little bit better, but you do know that time is not on your side. The clock is ticking. I was gonna have the townspeople do it, wasn't gonna do it myself. <laughs> right on. So yeah, you, you give them rope and you tell them, hey, you know, make sure that those victims are securely lashed. And you hope that maybe this will buy him a few more minutes if you are unable to stop the ceremony. Time is of an essence, companions, let's go. Um, Before we leave, I'm gonna find out where, where the green heart is from the villagers. Okay, so you ask a random villager. You ask several villagers, and they, they give you an idea of where it is. It's further up the incline towards the, the Lonely Mountain, a little bit further away from the village. On top of a rise, this kind of uh, limestone rise, there's an ancient shrine there that has always pulsed kind of a green color. 
in better times before this siege happened, the villagers would go up there, like if, if somebody was getting engaged, they would stake their intentions together in the witness of the, the green heart. If it was a particularly bountiful harvest, they would leave a little bit of wheat there. If it was a particularly good hunting season, they would leave antlers and, and some meat there. So it is kind of a, a well-known shrine or a well-known sacred place for the villagers. It is a few hours away, so you're going to probably get there just a little bit before midnight. Okay, I'm going to uh, tell the others that I think this is where we should go. I'm going to hand, uh, I'm going to toss the, that journal that I got over to Adwin and say, um, looks like this is the source. I grabbed the journal. Should I read it now or should we get moving? Can you read and walk? As long as you make enough noise for me to follow, sure. I think I could probably help with that. <laughs> I don't feel good about leaving the villagers defenseless, but sometimes offense is the best defense. You make your way into the forest, following the path similar to what you followed before to find Taimini and his dog Jasper. And you can hear all around you, just on the edge of your perception, you hear creatures moving through the darkness in a similar direction that you are and they are not being silent normally animals that are prowling on the hunt they're very quiet they don't want to startle any prey same with prey nocturnal prey is very hyper vigilant about sounds this sounds like creatures are moving they're large creatures moving towards the summit at alarming speed as you make your way up the hill can i see any with my dark vision and not even Grim, who has a much longer dark vision than most of you do. Not even he can can see them. They're kind of flitting at the very edge of your vision. You mostly hear them because sound carries much better than, than light does. But it sounds like large creatures are, are beginning to move. You hear several of them. You can't quite pin down the number. My favorite terrain is forest. And it says, while tracking creatures, I learned mm-hmm. the exact number, sizes, and how long ago they passed through the area. So I'll have you go ahead and do a survival check because you're tracking this. And remember, you do have advantage. Now, is that primeval awareness? No, it's one of my features. I'm a natural explorer and my favorite terrain is forest. Oh, got it. Okay. And I rolled an 18. So much. Excellent. Okay. You got advantage. You can roll again. Nicely done. Do I need to roll Nicely again with done. advantage? I think 18 is good. You can roll again because you could get higher than an 18. You can get a 20. Yeah, you could. Yeah, we'll stick with the 18. That was a 14. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds fair. All right, you pick up a couple of spores and some trails that are leading northward, and you feel like there's three of those rather large lupine prints, the ones that you had seen before, but now that you know what they belong to, there's at least three werewolves, and they're moving quickly towards what you are fairly certain is the green heart, and they are moving faster than you guys are. Uh, So they are at full pelt. And I immediately relay that information quietly to the rest of the group. Moving forward, what is the plan? Are you going to be moving stealthily or are you moving with speed? It's not my area of expertise, so I will defer. I think they know we're here. I think we should move with speed. Same. I think at speed too. Yeah, if we hear them, there's no way they couldn't hear us. Agreed. Let's go for it. Then on we go. So you make your way and you see through the trees, you start seeing a greenish glow that is slowly becoming kind of this muddy color. Rather than a green, you see there's red, 
that is intermixing it, turning into a disgusting kind of infected blood clot brown that is changing the light as the red slowly is overtaking the green light. The moon is rising above the trees. It seems a lot closer than it would normally. And the hilltop itself is shrouded in crimson light as the blood moon rises in the sky. There's a mass of dark birds circling overhead and the air is filled with screeches and howls. At the very top of the rise, you see the elaborate stone structure that is the green heart. In the middle of the structure, you see a tiny figure struggling. Its features masked by the light, the, the colored light, you see only a silhouette. Behind it is a humanoid figure dressed in what looks like robes, but as you look closer, it looks like uh, like Spanish moss hanging from its limbs. Around it are three werewolves, and in the sky, a small flock of birds. Seeing your arrival, the leader immediately at the top says, You are too late! I will ensure that our mistress's power is dominant in this mortal realm. Come, my children, it is time for us to feast. So we're going to go ahead and roll initiative. Adwin, what did you get? Adwin has a nine. 23 for Nassim. And Lago? Lago rolled a natural one, so he has an 11. (laughs) He still rolled higher than Cosmo. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of Cosmo, what'd you get? 10. And Grim? Nat 20, baby. That's right. Get all those high rolls out the way. (laughs) (laughs) And Kian rolled a nat 1 for a total of 2. Oh, Oh, man. Bringing up the rear as usual. It's all right. It's all right. Something about saving the best for last. Uh, I don't know. Okay, so Grim, you're the first in order. Crap. Okay. Now you said the Bloodhawks were flying, right? And then we have the creatures up front? Yep. You have what looks to be a vaguely humanoid creature draped in moss and like Spanish moss and things like that. And you see three werewolves behind cool. him. Cool. Okay. And then there's a creature in the middle of the altar whose life force seems to be what is causing this reddish color to be siphoned off of All them. All right. I'm going to take a... Silver dagger. I'm gonna move some 40 feet towards everything. So 5, 10, 15, I'm going to ensnaring strike and try and get one of the werewolves down. Okay. You said you're using one of your silver arrows or just using a regular arrow? I'll use a uh, silver arrow. Okay. Go for the attack. Do you want me to roll both my attacks just to get them out of the way at once? Yeah, if you would not mind. All right, first attack was a 22, second was a 23. Okay, 22 hits and 23, both of them hit. Cool. I get extra movement and then I get two attacks. Yeah, and you do extra damage as Dread Ambusher. Yes. I think the extra attack is Horde Breaker, if you have Horde Breaker. Not Horde Breaker, it's Dread... Uh, what I'm looking at is Dread Ambusher. Right, okay. Go ahead and do a... Do a custom roll on roll 20. One. (laughs) Woohoo. All right. And it's this werewolf right there, the far north one. Yeah. And then I'm going to ensnaring strike him. Okay. 
And that is a dexterity save, is that correct? Or a strength saving throw. Strength. Okay. Ten. Ten does not. What happens on ensnaring strike, please? It is, as the arrow hits it, it's going to sprout vines and hold it down in its place so it cannot move. Okay, so it is considered restrained, is that correct? Yes. Awesome. Fantastic. All right, anything else, Grim? No. All right. That means, Nassim, now it's your turn. Okay, I'm going to move up. Am I able to hold an attack for if the birds attack me first? And if they don't, then can I just, on my next round, just move forward? Because there isn't a whole lot I can do until I'm closer to people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're holding your action in case uh, one of the Dives birds... Dives at me. Or is it one of the birds or any of the... Uh... Uh, any of the birds die for me or if if there's another attack where I can actually... If something yeah. attacks you. Got you. Okay, so that's the trigger. All right, so that brings us to this one. Okay, all right, so the werewolf has to try to make a strength saving throw to try to break free of the vines, and that's going to be the totality of its action. No, still does not. It struggles against the, the vines that have sprung up around it, and it howls in anger and rage uh, as the vines hold steady. All right. So that means this one is going to, let's see, it's going to fly fairly high, but it's going to move to this area. And that's the first blood hawk. So the second blood hawk is going to join its buddy. Third blood hawk. Go ahead and make your attack against this blood hawk, Nassim. Alrighty. I'm going at it with my trident, double handed. All right. What'd you get? I got a 26. Nice. Awesome. Absolutely hits. Okay, rolling for damage. Up oh, four. Plus your strength, strength bonus. Bonus is a five. Four plus five is nine. It is more than enough to kill this one. So as it swoops down, it's screeching, and you, lightning fast, whip out your trident, skewering it in midair, and slamming it to the ground and clearing your trident as you shake the dead body off of that blood hawk. Brings us to our other werewolf buddy. 30. Okay, he's moved closer, but uh, it, uh, you see it sprints off from behind the altar, coming off of that rise, jumping down off of the five-foot-tall cliff, jumping onto the onto the ground, and making its desperate run towards Grim. But that's the totality of its move. Lago, you're up. And Cosmo, you're on deck. Okay, Um, how high is this at that point in the cliff face it is about eight feet tall when we get down to here it's closer to five feet and even further down towards the back it's kind of sloping into the top of the rise only a couple of feet tall on the backside. but where you're looking at probably about eight feet okay tall. um uh lago is going to uh eldritch blast first uh He's going to take a shot at one of the Bloodhawks, see what happens, and maybe take a shot at a second one. All right, go for it. Yeah, it's a nine hit. The nine does not hit. The bolt goes wide as the Bloodhawk does a barrel roll to avoid the shot. All right, second shot. Twelve does hit. Uh, that's nine force damage. Okay. While the first one deftly jumped out of the way of the bolt that came up, this one took it square in the beak and disappeared in a puff of feathers as you're... Force bolt hits it. All right. Anything else, Lago? Oh yeah. 
if I make it to here, am I considered like at the top? Yeah. Then um, I'm gonna use take a move action and use my rabbit hop to jump up there. I get uh, I get 15 feet. Awesome. So you come running up, and the rest of the party sees your powerful legs suddenly just kick and propel you like a springboard into the air, and you land adroitly atop the little cliff face there. All right. Awesome. Anything else? No, that was my moving bonus. So. All right. That's it. Awesome. Cosmo, you're up. Edwin, you're on deck. Cosmo's going to move up next to Nassine and Grimm and cast a sacred flame on the bloodhawk closest to the werewolf. Sacred Flame needs to make a dexterity save. All right. That's a no. Five. It disappears in a puff of golden energy as you smite it out of the sky. Great. I'm finished after that. All right. Adwin, your turn. Yeah, so mentally I give my owl the same command. Stay aloft and do a wide circle of the area. Keep your eyes open. And and then um, I will materialize a poker card in my hand and I will fling it at Bloodhawk number one and then I will move 30 feet north. And what does the card do? 2d10 force damage, calling card. Okay, go ahead and make your attack roll. You said it's against the one remaining Bloodhawk, is that correct? 27. Nicely done. And (laughs) D&D Beyond doesn't seem to have the damage correct. It only has 1d10, but it's 2 because I'm fifth. 27. Yeah, it's 4d10 because you created. Oh. Oh. Okay, there you go. Add him up. (laughs) Dang. Okay. So a total of. Oh, man. So a total of 17 points of damage. This, This card goes flying, and at first you think. You didn't hit it. You know you hit it. You're 100% certain as the hawk is still pelting towards you, but then you just notice as it basically just gliding dead as it slides into the dirt. The card absolutely lodged in its forehead, obviously dead before it knew it. Excellent. And I move 30 north, so it's 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 underneath that tree. Great. All right, that means this one's turn. All right, he's going to move closer to Lago. Doesn't quite get there, but ends his turn. The druid is going to... You see him make these gestures in midair. And out from underneath the grass come grasping vines and overgrowing roots and long grasses that attempt to wrap up Grim. Nassine and Cosmo, I need you all to make dexterity saving throws. Do I get advantage because I'm flying? (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Cosmo. Can the druid technically see me? Because we are in darkness, correct? Uh, No, you're in light. No! Okay. It's moonlight. It's bathed in red moonlight. Okay, my plan has faltered. Cosmo! All right, what'd you get, Cosmo? Cosmo got a 17. Nicely done. Nassine, what did you get? Uh, I got a four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And Grim? Grim got a, thank goodness, uh, altogether 26. All right. So only Nassine is restrained by these grasping vines. The druid goes, Drat! Yeah, and then moves a little bit further around, basically continuing his incantation. Kian, it's your turn. Okay, Kian is going to move um, 30 feet 
north to here, if you guys can see that. So right there. And then, if possible, I'd like yep. to cast another Melf's Acid Arrow at uh, the werewolf that is uh, just down at the bottom of the embankment there. Okay. Uh, at the one closest to you, correct? Yes. Okay, go for it. Make the attack roll. Boom. Bam. What'd you get total? Rolled a nat 20, which gives me a 25. Oh. oh, so double the rolled dice. It's all coming out now, these natural 20s. So Nicely double done. them, so I roll yeah. it twice? Sweet. Yeah, you roll them all twice. Right, here we go. Okay, Dang. so I got 16 on the first roll and 18 on the second. Bada bing, bada boom. So, 34. Ow! Okay, this arrow streaks out, and as the slavering werewolf screams at the scene and thinks for a moment it's got a helpless victim right there, this arrow just arcs right into its mouth and begins to kind of beat away the jaw of of the uh, creature. It's howling in pain and clawing at its own jaw. Nicely done, Kian. Anything else? Yeah, Kian looks over a grim and winks. Really cockily. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Grim, you have been able to dodge out of the way of these grasping vines. It is your turn. Thank goodness. All right. I'm going to move. So 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. I'm moving up here. And I'm going to pop, pop, pop okay. the werewolf up here. Go for it. Ooh. All right. I got a nat 20, 29, 21, and 17. Nicely done. Man. They are all popping out today. Go for it. All right, we got another nice crit. That's three crits in a row. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Adwin, you must have had something to do with this. I mean, I think you set the timeline to to the best possible timeline. I'm on that dial. I'm on that dial. (laughs) (laughs) So my crit was 16 altogether. Okay. And then my other two damages are... If it'll roll twice. What'd you, what'd you get for your what'd you get for your roll? Oh no, it's 29, 21, 17. Yeah. All three absolutely hit. Sweet. And the scene you're on deck. Next attack was five. Okay. And then your last one? And then my last one was nine. Alright. Okay. So that last arrow sinking in. How does this werewolf meet its fate? Yes! I would like one in the chest, one in the throat, and one in the eye absolutely happens yeah the first one hits in the chest and it's like fit, 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 you know all three right in a row bang 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 and then toppling over head over heels as it slings back with the force of the arrow the werewolf lays dead in the dirt all right grim i'm gonna look back at kian and wink back <laughs> kian sees that grim has upstaged him with his attack and rolls his eyes <laughs> All right. Awesome. Nassine, you're up. All right. Well, I guess I'm still grappled, right? You are. Okay. I'm going to attempt to... You can use your action to try to free yourself. Yes. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. All right. Go ahead and make a strength saving throw to go for a strength. 16. 16 is enough. You are able to break yourself free, but that was your total action. You still have a movement. Okay. I am going to... Move a little closer to the cliff here, right about there. Uh, and then that brings us to our ensnared werewolf buddy, who again has to try to make a strength saving throw. What is your DC there, Grim? It met it. 
Yeah, if it meets, it wins. Okay. Yeah, yeah it yeah. breaks free. All right, so he is no longer, no longer entangled. But that was his entire action. Much like he saw Nassim rip those vines off, and he goes, "Oh, that's what I need to do." <laughs> and uh... damn it, Nassim! <laughs> I was I wasn't using the sharp part of my claws. That's the problem. Uh, just had a manicure done. You know, didn't want to break the claw, but you know, desperate times. That brings us to Lago, and Cosmo, you're on deck. Okay, quick question: Is this difficult terrain? No, it's just a structure. So I can just I can freely move through that. Yeah, it's basically a large archway. I do want to tell you that uh, there is a silhouetted creature in the middle of that, and this is crackling with some dark, nasty-looking energy. You can move through it if you would like. I mean, you can move through it question is do you want to move through it don't be scared <laughs> i'm just joking, I'm just joking. <laughs> okay i'm trying to decide if i wanted to do the cool thing or the smart thing give me one second <laughs> smart is always cool that is always the way yeah i'm gonna do the cool thing okay i'm going to use my second rabbit hop so i'm going to move up a square bonus action jump over this guy i land right here okay do i um am, am i shocked by weird arcane energy or anything before i go on <laughs> i'm going to have you make a charisma saving throw oh, that's cool I've got, i'm charismatic as hell oh you say that but then you get a natural one i mean it's got to balance it out there were three 20s were thrown out i gotta get a good one here don't put that on me <laughs> exactly don't don't say that all right, yeah. You feel disoriented, and for a moment, you're not on the top of the hill. You're on top of a hill, and it's bright and sunny out, but there's no structure, no other people, nothing. But then that fast, do you see it? Then it's gone, and you pass through the other side. Okay, with the rest of my, my movement, I'm going to move right here. I'm going to stab this druid in the face. Boom. Face. All right. What did that druid ever do to you? Uh, doing this with rapier, uh, with booming blade. Okay. How's the twenty-three do? Uh, that will absolutely do. So he takes eighteen plus four is twenty-two, and then uh, fifteen if he moves. All right. So he looks pretty. Rough. And that'll be my turn. Okay. That definitely took some wind out of his sails. So excellently done. All right. So Cosmo, what you doing? And then Adwin, you're on deck. Cosmo's going to move up to the edge of the mountain thing, but he's going to fly up like high enough so okay. that he can see what's going on up top. All right. Um, and then he's going to cast Fairy Fire on 20-foot radius of this. All right, so I believe that's a dexterity saving throw for... Yes. Okay, great. And were you intending to get the creature in the in the <laughs> center yes, of the? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Looks like both of them have saved. <laughs> a 19 and an 18. A 19 for the werewolf, an 18 for the creature in the middle of this glowing ceremony. Great. I'm all finished. All right. Adwin, you're up. Adwin will move forward 30 feet, placing himself between the two dead bloodhawks. And he will cast Mind Sliver on the werewolf closest to Nassim. And that'll be an intelligence save. What's your DC? 15. 
13 does not work. Go ahead and roll your damage. It is a total of six points of psychic damage on that werewolf right there. Disadvantage on his next saving throw, correct? It does. At the present moment, I'm going to stay put. Okay, so this werewolf is going to run forward and leap at Cosmo. It's going to take a bite attack, claw attack. Does a 8 hit you? Or a 12? Oh no, the 12 yeah, does! 12 hits me. Alright, you take 7 slashing damage as its claws rake your flesh, and it howls in glee as it sees blood spurting from you. And then you hear it say something in Sylvan, which I will then go ahead and type to you. The druid is not happy with you, Lago. He casts a spell as he pulls a club out from under his robes, and he attacks you with this shillelagh. That's going to be a 22 to hit. Yeah, that hits. You take five points of damage. I, uh, still standing. It's, 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 it's a rough day. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, he says an incantation. You see this this sickly red, very repulsive magic course down the wood of the club, and he swings and clocks you good with it. And then that brings us to Kian with Grim on deck. So, I'd like uh, I'd like to dash to here, and then I'm gonna cast, and I'd like to cast my uh, primal savagery cantrip when I get okay. there. Okay, you can move 30 feet and make that Primal Savagery cast, or you can go ahead and dash, which is double your movement, to be able to close the distance, but you will not be able to cast. Dashing as a bonus action is a rogue thing. Or if you're a monk, you can spend a key point to do what's called Step of the Wind, uh, which is basically the same thing. So Cosmo took some damage, right? He did. Was it bad? Was it worse than Lago? No, Cosmo's fine. Co- Cosmo the fairy <laughs> is just so durable. <laughs> How about Lago? Lago's down six. I have 27 left. I'm, I'm all right. I'm going to move 30 feet. Can I kind of go diagonally there? Yep, you sure I'm can. I'm going to go there, and then I am going to cast my last second level spell. I'll do another... Melf's arrow, and I will do it at um, Lago's druid attacker. Uh, so that was a fourteen. Did that hit? Absolutely Sweet. hits. So it looks like I did eleven and eight damage for a total of nineteen. Okay, yeah, this bolt streaks out the brilliant green cutting through the muddy greenish red like a laser beam and it plants itself right into the side of the druid who screams in agony as this massive hole begins to be eaten into the side of his body. He is rough, looking very rough. And Kian looks over at Grimm and nods with a slight smirk. Speaking of Grimm, it is your turn, sir. And Nassine, you're on deck. All right, I'm going to hit the werewolf twice in the face. Oh, 17 and 21. Both of which hit? Uh, 12 on the first, 9 on the second for 21. Great. Nicely done. You pop these two arrows off, sinking uh, nicely into the flesh. 
Finally, it seems like the arrows are able to penetrate the flesh. And unlike your regular arrows that were kind of like spat out by the flesh last time, these are staying the way that they should. And it seems to seems to cause some severe damage to the werewolf as it snarls in pain and cocks an eye at you. But it's it's pretty intent on Cosmo. I wave at Kian and <laughs> bolt off 30 feet. And Kian just grimaces in response. Um, I'm going to try to get to Lago. All right, Nassine? Okay, this cliff right here, this is going to count as distance, right? Yeah, this will be double movement to go up the cliff. It is roughly eight feet tall, so that would be basically 20 feet of your movement. We're going to count it close to 10, so that'll be 20 feet of your movement if you wanted to climb up it. Can I misty step and be able to get about there? Absolutely. All right, I'm going to misty step. It'll get me right about here up with this guy, right? Yep, sure will. Okay. And then I'm just going to, since I'm closer, can I see what that other figure is now and kind of figure out what it is? Uh, Go ahead and make a perception check. Nine. It's roughly halfling size, but doesn't look like a halfling. But that's pretty much all you can tell. Okay. I can't tell if it's like awake or anything, huh? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, then I'm going to go after this big guy next to him then. Okay. That is a 26. Go ahead and roll your damage. 12. Nice. Nicely done. It's a fair chunk of damage as your trident sinks in. You get another attack. You get you get two attacks as a, as a paladin. Yes. So go for it. 17. So a 17 does hit. Yes. So go ahead and do your damage. Okay, so that's 13 points of damage. And it howls in pain as the second strike hits true. It snarls and says something to you, again, in the gibberish that you don't quite understand, but it's going to make a bite attack. The 19 does hit, and you take 8 slashing damage. And the 9 misses, so it does not connect with its bite. It tries desperately to try to take a chunk out of you with the teeth. Uh, you're able to block it with your crusty and barnacle and encrusted pauldron of your armor. All right, brings us over to Lago, and Cosmo, you're on deck. So, Lago, you're up. Go ahead and roll a perception check. DC's not going to be terribly high, but go ahead and roll a perception check. 15. All right. I went ahead and sent you what it said. Now, Lago, it's your turn. Lago is um, in his element. He is in a duel, as far as he's concerned. Bonus action. Uh, I'm going to hex the druid with my Hexblade's curse. Oh, yeah. Uh, there is no save. And I am going to Booming okay. Blade and try to finish him off. Cool. Does a 16 hit? 16 absolutely hits. And how are you going to finish this guy off? Lago's going to look at the druid, wink his, the eye that's not covered by the eye patch, and say, ain't I a stinker? And just drive his, uh, his, his, his rapier right through his throat. Oh, awesome. So the rapier goes right through his throat. He goes to answer. The druid tries to answer, but can't because you pierced his larynx. And then he see his eyes roll back and he slumps over onto the ground, dead as a doornail. All right, Lago, do you have anything else you wanted to do? Uh, I mean, just for the record, I'm healing three from his death. Go for it. Did you want to move any? Yeah, I'm going to um, move uh, closer to this uh, the wolf that Nassim's fighting. All right. Awesome. Cosmo, you're up. You've got a werewolf right there in front of you. Cosmo is going to move on up 
top of here, this cliff, towards Nassine. Fly up there. Okay, you're going to take an attack of opportunity as you leave the threat range for the for the That's werewolf. Fine. Just FYI. That is fine. All right. Nope. Ten. Ten does not Perfect. hit. Uh, and then I'm going to turn around and shoot a sacred flame at that werewolf that was just on me. All right. Okay. So, and is the is sacred flame is your is attack is a roll. deck save. Deck save. Okay. Jeez, man, they are not rolling well at all. All right, so a seven. So he takes seven points of radiant damage. And all then right. I say in Sylvian, okay. you will be the one who goes hungry tonight. Ooh. And it snarls back at you angrily. Anything else you wanted to do, Cosmo? Nope, that's it. All right. Edwin, you're up. Edwin materializes a Joker card in his hand, and he slings it at the werewolf that's currently on the wall. Then he's going to misty step a little south of him. Make your attack roll. 15. 15 was my attack roll. 15 does hit, absolutely. Doing eight points of damage. You see the card flings and causes a slice across its chest and its shoulder, leaving a bloody trail as it howls in anger. Is that it for your that's it for your uh, for your turn correct or did you want to move more what do I see I mean that dude who's in the center I'm gonna move toward that go ahead and make a perception check 10 10 is my perception okay uh, so you see that he's roughly halfling sized creature you see scale mail glinting in the light you're not quite sure what else you see it's really hard to see because of the the nature of the light both hurts your eyes but also seems to absorb some of the details. Okay, is he standing or laying? He's suspended in. Suspended, suspended in the middle? In the middle of yeah, it. I don't trust that. So I move five mm-hmm. feet that way. Alright. And that's the end of my turn. Okay. Alright. Because you taunted it, it is going to come at Cosmo <laughs> again. It's going to make a leaping attack, make a bite, and make a claw. Oh, 11 for a bite for nine piercing. And then a 14 for 10 slashing for a total of 19. And Cosmo, I need you to make a constitution saving throw. We're fairy incoming. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get, Cosmo? Uh, Cosmo rolled a dirty 20. Ah, okay, all right. Uh, so you feel the infection and it growls at you again in Sylvan and it says, I don't know, you taste pretty good to me. <laughs> see, he's out of it, he's dead. So that brings us to Kian. Kian, you see this werewolf is bound and determined to eat this fairy. <laughs> so. so I am going to quickly close the 15 feet or so to that werewolf okay. as I'm closing on that right. closing in on him I cast my cantrip primal savagery which causes my teeth and fingernails to sharpen and I reach out with um, both of my hands my claws and go for his throat awesome go for it make the roll come on hey oh nice What's your total? Damn, that is a plus five. It's a natural 20, makes a 25 total. Oh, nicely done. Remember to double all your roll damage. Well, those are two D10s, so that'll make four D10s. So let's see what happens. Oh! oh, oh. So there's the first D10 roll, 18. And then the second one is another 18. 
Dang! Oh, man. Okay, so how does this thing meet its end? So Kian, with his fingernails, both hands, just jams his fingernails on either side of the werewolf's neck, just right into the jugular, and just basically tears his throat out. Oh, savage! You see, so you all see Kian make this move, and he moves with a fluid grace that, Grim, you kind of recognize that fluidity of grace, and you see his his fingernails become kind of like talons as he grabs on the side of this werewolf and just yanks out the jugular, leaving this lifeless lump of flesh laying on the ground. Woohoo! Awesome. Was Grim able to see this? I don't know. Was Grim able to see this? <laughs> Grim, go ahead and roll a, a perception check. I'm going to give you advantage because, you know, you're aware of the battlefield. Uh, 19. <laughs> hey, 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 <laughs> check it out. Check it out. Did you see it? Did you see it? What? Damn it! <laughs> okay, yeah, I would say it's up to you whether you tell him you saw it or not. <laughs> Well, I just want to know if he's within sight. You're pretty sure he is, but... <laughs> but it's a... I don't think I'm technically in sight. Okay. I think I missed it. Okay. You heard something. You heard something savage go on, but you didn't necessarily see it. Cool. All right. He looks around for Grim, doesn't see him, shrugs, <laughs> and then just flicks the blood off of his fingernails. Uh, as you transform back, as your as your claws become fingernails again. All right, so Grim, your turn. There's just one lone werewolf left. Yep, I'm gonna move up the uh, cliff hill, whatever we're calling it, and then mm-hmm. I'm gonna make my moves. Let's see if I can impress Kian. Good luck. Oh, 28 and 15. 28 and a 15 both hit. Kian, are you on the are you up on the ledge or are you on on the lower level? Oh, yeah, sorry about that. I will move him right now. I'm on the upper level now. 21 damage. Okay, awesome. And how does this one die? Without knowing what Kian did and knowing Grim's style, I'm going to go for the throat, too, and just kind of explode the uh, jugular. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Okay, great. So the two arrows ring out. Shoot, shoot real quick, essentially following the path that your eye had set. It comes swooping in, and next thing you know, the arrows are pointing out the back of its neck as it falls limp onto the ground. I'm going to shrug at Kian. (laughs) Kian looks over, gives an air fist bump. Oh, look at that. Yeah, all right, I'm doing it back. Adwin mentions that you guys are most proficient in murder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they, they are pretty good at that. I, I will say that. <laughs> and Kian nods in agreement. All right. So that cleans up the last one. The creatures are all dead. As the last one dies, that greenish light fades. And flopping onto the ground itself is a roughly halfling-sized, full-scale-mail armor warrior with, at first you think is like a stylized draconic helmet, but then realize... That's its head. It's some kind of kobold in adventuring gear. He's unconscious right now, but doesn't seem to be injured. But he's obviously had his life force mostly drained. No sooner does he drop out of that than you see the reddish haze, the reddish light 
that was contaminating the green light begins to fade away and the moon resumes its normal size as it's shrinking you can see the blood kind of draining away from that moon as the regular moonlight comes back and so now you're on a on a clearing in brilliant full moon white moonlight and you have the bodies of the werewolves and druid and the bloodhawks excellent well done everybody go team nice you guys are most proficient in murder. Anyway, where am I? Pian just grunts. Mm. Taking all utility spells, messing with you guys. I'm going um, over to the guy that dropped and kind of poking it with my trident for a second. Okay. It's an unconscious body of what looks to be a very well-equipped kobold who is wearing some nice armor, a fancy belt. He doesn't have any weapons on him, but obviously had been the focal point from which this ceremony was happening. Is it alive? Uh, does seem to be alive, yes. Seems to be shallowly breathing, uh, much in the same way that Rahimi is, is breathing shallowly. So is anybody else doing anything? Lago, did you say you wanted to do something? Yeah. Um, Lago is going to search this druid for, I mean, you know, loot and clues. All right. So uh, go ahead and make an investigation check. 13. 13. Okay. Fairly easily enough, you see that he's not actually wearing clothing. It is indeed stitched together plant material. So nothing woven or anything like that. It's all like carpets of moss and and leaves and interwoven grasses creating a kind of clothing. In a pouch that's made of a hollowed out gourd that has been dried, nice and stiff, kind of like a money pouch that had been tied to his belt, you find a rolled up note. And on his finger, you find a ring. Okay, I'm going to take the note and the ring. I'm going to try to read the note. Okay, in your journal, you have a mysterious note. The Lysis. I have detected a thin space between the mortal realm and ours. Go forth. Collect as many salts to fill the bargain we have with Wild Hunt. You will not fail your dear auntie. Or I would hate to have to turn your liver into yummy pies and then make you eat them. Then maybe, if you're lucky, I'll let you die. Dearest, anti-black gums. Anti-black gums? Well, doesn't she sound like a deer? The best kind. You know, the grandmother who has all the candies put out. You know, used hospital syringes and... Razor blades that are slightly rusty. Exactly. The best <laughs> equipment that they have to offer. How long did it take us to get here? I mean, like, travel time. You are close to midnight. In fact, it is it is nearly midnight right now. You stop the ceremony in time just before midnight. So, so it seems we have thwarted this particular plan. What say we do next? Um, I think we should go back to the village and make sure that the ones that nobody turned agreed agreed and maybe we shouldn't leave this one we should take him with us considering the the the, the power the light from this thing has changed did any change on the bodies of the werewolves that are laying around us uh no you haven't seen any change from the werewolves they seem to be remaining in their hybridized form almost as if that's the form that they're most often in Unlike humanoid ones, especially in the mortal realm, that often revert back to like a humanoid form, dwarf, elf, whatever, these don't seem to have uh, reverted back to any particular form. Oh, let's be gone. After we search the bodies, let's move out. All right. I'm going to pick up the kobold and, and take him with All us. Right. Oh, yeah, that do too. 
I'm probably going to help carry it if necessary. Kian will lead the way through the forest because it's his favorite terrain. Okay, you make your way back through the forest and eventually find your way back to the village. The village is surrounded by that silvery-ish dome. And again, you see the alarmed villagers who are watching with hopeful faces towards the forest. A cheer goes up when they see you returning. You get back into the village and you see that even the half-elf healer, Sylveth, seems to be relieved. She informs you that whatever you've done, right about midnight, she realized that you were going after, she made the connection, that you were going after whatever infect these villagers. Right about midnight, it seems that their fever broke, and although most of them are still unconscious now, they're no longer thrashing and gnawing, and so they seem to be resting peacefully, and she feels as though they will eventually make a full recovery. But along with that, she has some sad news to convey to you as well. Rahimi, it seems, has passed. She died in the last few minutes, right before your return. You notice that the dome still exists. It's very strange. You felt a little bit of resistance coming in, but not the kind of resistance that you felt before, where it was like actively pushing. So it may be that her spell is slowly fading over time, bolstered by Nassim's connection with her deities. The rest of the village begins to cheer you. Mayor Rayner is at the front of them. And he says, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You've done such a wonderful thing for our village. We thought, uh, we, we believed that this was the end of it. Indeed, what has passed here could have been in, in tragedy for our small village. But thanks to your actions, we've averted it. We owe you a debt that we can never repay. And I want you to know that you will always have a welcome place here in our village of Marowal. He then invites you to, to stay around for the funeral and burial of Rahimi, who will also be interred as a hero of the village. Excellent job, everybody. It turned out really well. You guys are learning some synergy, maybe getting some rivalries going on, maybe a little competition here and there. And interestingly enough, uh, you may have another party member now. Uh, I'm not saying that anybody's missing. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Yay. We found a cobalt. We found a cobalt. I stabbed the cobalt. <laughs> you stabbed the cobalt. <laughs> <laughs> I go through the kobold's pockets and take all his belongings. The vengeful kobold that will come back in later on. Where's my you guys stuff? You left, left me naked and dying in a ditch. Right on, right on. All Good right. stuff. Excellent job, everybody. Awesome. With Sword and Spell brought to life thanks to the audio engineering of Melody Ulof. Social media is handled by Corin Rocha. Music is provided by Mark from Mab Music. Follow Mark on Patreon, and while you're at it, help support us on Patreon as well. Additional music is from Tim with Tabletop Audio. Sound effects, loops, and additional music courtesy of Mixkit and Zapsplat. Email us at withswordandspell at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at with sword, the letter N, spell. And on Instagram, at with sword and spell. 
You can also find us on Facebook and wherever fine social media is consumed. With Sword and Spell uses Anchor as our generous host. Original art, logo, and design by Hephaestus Cave. Follow Hef on Twitter at Hephaestus Cave. Join us next time. And until then, remember this is all.